Well, good morning. Merry Christmas to everyone who's come today to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ into this world. We want to welcome those of you who are members, but also we want to welcome all of you who are guests that may be with family or friends or have come for the first time. Welcome. We're glad that you're here at Greenville Oaks. Through this series over the last uh, few weeks, we've been in a, a conversation about waiting because that's what this season is about. Advent means coming. It's about the coming of Jesus into the world. And years ago, there were prophecies that were given to the people of Israel. And those prophecies foretold about a baby that would come, but, but the people of God have had to wait throughout the years, haven't they? We've talked about that, the, the story of Joseph, the story of Noah, the story of Moses. They all had times of waiting. The people in bondage in Israel, the people of God, they are in Egypt. They had to wait to be delivered to the promised land over 400 years. And then uh, the people of God, when they fall into idolatry and worshiping other gods for a season between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's about a 400-year period where God goes silent. And maybe this morning you're in one of those periods, a a period of waiting. Sometimes that waiting can be really exciting, like a pregnancy waiting on that baby to come, but sometimes the waiting's much more difficult. And so our prayer this morning as we enter into this time of song, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that whatever waiting you're in today, that you would enter into this story, the Christmas story, a story about waiting, but a story about God's coming and fulfilling the promise that he made so many years ago. I want to begin this morning as we enter into this story by reading one of those prophecies from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Listen to these words. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is a crazy promise, isn't it? A story about a virgin that would give birth to a baby that would be Emmanuel, which simply means God with us. And this morning, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we have that promise, don't we? The presence of God among us. God is truly with us, Emmanuel. And that's who we worship today. So I want to invite you into the story that you've probably heard dozens of times, the story of Christmas. It's a story of waiting, but it's a story of receiving the gift that God had promised. And so as we continue in our worship today, whatever waiting you've experienced, may today be a reminder that God fulfills all his promises. Amen? Well, for centuries, as the story goes, Israel waited on that Messiah to show up. And they waited, and I wonder what they expected to come. I I anticipate with Rome in charge, they would have expected someone with power, with some kind of influence, maybe a warrior of some kind to show up. There had been pretenders in the past who had showed up claiming to be the Messiah, insurrectionists to take over Rome, and Rome had put them down again and again. But the Savior of the world didn't show up like you would have expected. He didn't show up where you would have expected. Perhaps you'd expect a palace for a king or a savior, at least a hospital, right? But this baby shows up in an unexpected place in Bethlehem, the town of David. Showed up without much fanfare, without too many who were there to show up and know about this story. It didn't show up in the newspaper likely the next day. This baby was born into a a feeding trough, basically, a place where animals fed and in a, in a manger. 
He wasn't born into privilege. There wasn't anything comfortable about his birth. And the first people to visit him wouldn't have been the ones you would have expected for a Savior into the world. Who were the first guests to to show up and greet Jesus? We read that story in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. I want to read, picking up in verse 8, this story as we continue to hear this story about Christmas. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the Heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. What a strange sign. Finding a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger, this must be a different story than the story they had expected. Who does this baby show up to? After all this silence, 400 years of God not seeming to speak, he shows up. Uh, well, the shepherds show up after hearing from the angels. And the, the, the shepherds show up to this amazing scene. Imagine being there that night. See this angel appear, and then this serenade of angels that sings and proclaims about the birth of Jesus that they had longed. To know in the quiet of the night, these shepherds have one of the greatest shows of all time. And so they went, these shepherds, and they adored the king. They were the first guests. They got to receive this baby. This morning we come to adore a king, don't we? Every Sunday we gather in this room and we, we, we share a time at the Lord's Supper. That's the time we're about to share in right now. It's a time with simple elements that you'd find at most tables. Juice, if you have kids around, and bread. And so in just a moment, we're going to share in this feast, this meal that's been shared now for centuries. That Jesus, as he grew up, we realize he didn't stay a baby. He grew up to become the savior of the world. And he grew up and he, he gathered around him a group of disciples. He preached the Sermon on the Mount. He healed people. He raised Lazarus from the dead. An amazing story about this baby who grows up to do amazing things, lived a sinless life, fully God, fully man. But his end is not as we would expect. Never seems to put a crown on his head. Never seems to ascend to power in a way we would expect. This baby ends up on a cross. I know we're here to celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we can't forget this morning what Jesus came to do the price that he paid for our sins, the forgiveness that's ours because of this baby that grew up and took everything at a cost to himself so that we could be restored to relationship with God. So this morning, we're going to pass those same elements that have been passed for years. Uh, We'll pass a a cracker, a reminder of the body of Christ that's been broken. And so as you break that cracker, be reminded of the body that's been broken on your behalf. Then we'll pass a little bit after that a, a cup with some juice in it. It's a reminder of the blood of Jesus that was, that was poured out for each and every one of us. And this blood actually cleanses us. It makes us new. 
So if you're a believer in Jesus, we invite you to this table. Christ is our host at this table. And all of those things that divide us in the world know when we come to the table, those ideologies fall aside. For those who are in Christ Jesus, we're no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We have been brought under one roof, and we claim Jesus as the thing that unites us at this table. I know it's special to be on a Christmas morning like this, to have family that are here to worship beside. I'm grateful for your presence this morning. I know there are a lot of places where families are deciding to stay home, and that may be a decision for some, but I think there's something special about being here together on a Christmas morning and sharing with our church family this story of Christmas together. I want to read uh, from Luke chapter 2, a little bit before what I read before about the birth story of Jesus. I think there's some details in this story that are interesting for the season we're in uh, this year that we've lived through in some ways. It's been, a, it's been a difficult year in many ways, hasn't it? In some ways, personally, there's been some difficulty that I know we, many of you share in your families, uh, things that were unexpected you didn't know would happen this year. There have been times of waiting, like we talked about before. Maybe it was a diagnosis or a job struggle or a waiting on God to come through in some way. And I hope we'll continue to be a people in this new year that lift those things up to God with expectancy, waiting on God to work and to act. Because the truth is, this story reminds us that God makes promises and He comes through and He fulfills them. Uh, In the first message in this series, we talked about the story of Joseph. We talked about Joseph and his time of waiting, that he waited and God changed him in that waiting time. Uh, From year 17 to year 30 in his life, those ages, 13 years, he was in either prison or in slavery. His brothers had sent him there. It's a time of injustice. He could have become bitter by that, but God changed him for the better through that, and he was open to forgiving his brothers at the end of the story. And God used Joseph to save the entire family. We talked also about the story of Noah, that Noah was asked to build an ark, that his salvation, God was going to save him not by some magical act that God would come in and do. He was going to ask Noah to take up hammer and nails and to get to work on this boat that would be a part of his salvation, that God calls us into his story. And sometimes in waiting, the call for us is to partner with God, that he actually wants us to work with him. Last week, we talked about the story of Moses. Story of Jeremiah 29, a letter to these exiles that are in waiting. And unfortunately, the message to these exiles is 70 years before you get to go back home to the homeland. But God says, I have a, ho- a plans for your hope, plans to prosper you. And he's talking about the plural you. It's all of Israel that one day you're going to go back to that land. One day you'll no longer wait. And one day that promise of Messiah will mean you'll no longer wait again. This is the story that was promised all those years ago, the story of the birth of Jesus, all this waiting for this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
want you to notice at the beginning of the story, the first name that's mentioned, Caesar Augustus. You know, if you paid any attention to this year, there have been some rulers that have been mentioned on the news, maybe you've seen. And it's interesting in this story, the way this story begins, it's, the story begins by reminding people of the historical time period that Jesus was born into. It's a story about history, not just some myth that was made up. You can go back and you can know what time Caesar Augustus became the emperor of Rome. Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Maybe you've never heard of him, but, but there's these details that are told in this story. But what's interesting is the story is really a story about not Caesar. It's not a story about Quirinius. It's a story about this baby Jesus who enters into the world. Surprising story because you'd expect, as the history books tell us today, that stories would always be about the emperors and those who are in charge, those who are on thrones. But here we are with a story that has outlasted Rome, a story where Caesar is just a detail, just a footnote to the story about a baby that was born that changed everything. This baby was born in inauspicious circumstances. A surprising, maybe maybe a, a poor timing on Jesus' part in some ways, right? The inconvenience of not having a place to stay. But this was the exact time that God had imagined this time would come. This was the gift they had waited on, and the gift arrived. How many of you uh, have already opened gifts this morning, or maybe last night, if you have a tradition of Christmas Eve? Okay, some of, a lot of you are waiting, so I need to get wrap this up quick, right? I know. I, I know that's a huge part of Christmas, is the gifts. We love receiving gifts, but I got to tell you, the older I grow and the more my kids mature, the more I look forward seeing the looks on their faces with the gifts that I give. That becomes the joy of Christmas for me. So this morning we were, they got up and I was expecting a 545 wake up call, but they waited till 715. That was a gift in itself. And they came and they got us up and we went in and there was this excitement on their faces that was fun to watch. Excitement of last night, not being able to get to sleep. Maybe it was the ice cream shake we got them last night before we went to bed. That wasn't a good idea. But it's also this anticipation, right? This waiting of Christmas morning and what would come. And it was exciting. And so we finally got them to bed last night and Santa had come. And it was exciting to see the looks on their faces. Now that I have kids, I I see Christmas in a whole new way. Uh, But it can be hard this time of year when it comes to sharing gifts with family and friends to figure out what they might want, right? Because all of us have that one family member, don't we? You just can never figure out what to get them. No, el- Don't elbow. It's not, don't point, okay? We all have that one at least. And so what do you give to the one you don't know what to get, get for? You give them a gift card, don't you? Because if there's no reason for you to waste time shopping, you let them waste time figuring out what they want, right? I did some research this week on gift cards and the amount of money that's given e- each year. This year, in in 2016, by the end of this year, the entire year, I want you to just think how much has been given in gift cards. Over $100 billion is handed out over birthdays and anniversaries and and Christmas as well in gift cards. Maybe there's a growing amount of people we don't know what to get for them, right? But maybe a more interesting stat is not the $100 billion, more than that, that's given this year in gift cards Maybe the more amazing figure is the amount that goes unspent after the year. At the end of 2017 with the gift cards that have been given this year, if history's any track record, over a billion dollars will go unused 
on those gift cards. Now you see the trick of those businesses, right? See, it's one thing to receive a, a gift, right? But it's another thing to open that gift, to receive it fully into our lives and to experience the benefit that comes from that gift. And there will be many this next year that will be excited on Christmas morning that will forget in some drawer or some space this gift that had been given. See, it's possible to waste a gift. And sometimes I, forget, I think we forget how fortunate we are to grow up in the time that we're in. And it's not just the iPhones and the, and the indoor plumbing that we have, right? Those are great gifts that Jesus didn't have in his day and age. But it's also that we live after the birth of Jesus. And many who grew up in the world did not grow up in the time before Jesus' birth. Or they did grow up before Jesus' birth. They didn't have that gift to receive. In fact, there's a story told in the book of Hebrews about this whole idea. Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open there, your normal Christmas message out of Hebrews, right? We actually read a verse from Hebrews last week as we were talking about waiting. And it was verse 39 that we read. Before I read from verse 39, I just want to set up what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is also always or often referred to as the hall of faith. It's these people who lived by faith in their lifetime. Old Testament heroes. And if you open up to Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11.1 tells us what faith is. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. If you live in a time of waiting, which I've encouraged you to think about this morning, you have to live with faith to some degree if you hope for that waiting to come to an end. And so it talks in this story about the different heroes of faith. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. On and on the story goes. By faith, Noah built a boat. We told that story a couple of weeks ago. By faith, Abraham. He went to a place that he didn't know where he was going. He was to leave his family and his homeland, and, and he did that. It was by faith. He didn't know what would be out there. He, he left trusting God, and he waited as he went. And on and on it goes about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses, the walls of Jericho, Rahab. Again, it almost recounts the Old Testament story piece by piece, reminding us that faith was a part of that journey. And then on it goes, I, I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets and on and on. They went through all of these trials. But verse 39, we read last week as we sit in this time of waiting. It's a reminder that we're not alone in that. Verse 39, these, these, all of these that have been mentioned in Hebrews 11, were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. We talked about last week that sometimes we're in waiting and we don't get the gift that we want. Sometimes that gift is for the next generation that we plant seeds. And that's what these heroes of faith did in Hebrews chapter 11. They, they had faith, but they died waiting on this Messiah that would be born. Trusting in something they couldn't see. But I want to finish this series in verse 40. It's an amazing verse. I think it's my favorite verse in all of Scripture. Let me go back to verse 39 one more time. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us. So that only together with us would they be made perfect. 
Consider the weight of that verse for a moment. All of these heroes of faith, the ones that you had those VBS stories about, the children's Bible stories, those heroes that you may have enacted. I remember a time where it was around Christmas time, my brother and I were acting out the David and Goliath story. My brother was a couple years younger than me, so he got to be David, I had to be Goliath, whatever. And so I remember standing on my grandmother's and grandfather's bed that we slept in every time we'd go to their house around Christmas time. We'd drive all the way from San Diego to Abilene and, and to Dallas with our two families every year. That was quite a trip. Some of you have taken long trips as well. And so I remember my brother starting with the sling, right? This is what preacher's kids do, I guess, at Christmas time. And, and he slung that swing, and I was on the bed, and I, I took a fall just like, I mean, I, I laid out good is what I did. Unfortunately, I had miscalculated the distance between where I was standing and the headboard. And so uh, it was close to stitches. I ended up with just a butterfly bandage, I think. But I still remember that. We, we acted out these stories because these were our heroes, right? These were the people we'd heard about, the stories we'd grown up with. But what Hebrews 11 says is they died waiting on something. They died having faith in something. They didn't experience the gift in its wholeness, in its fullness. But verse 40, if you could put that back up there again. Since God, why did they wait? Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This story of Scripture is not finished being written. We're not planning on adding books. But you can see in Hebrews 11 that the story continues on with our lives, doesn't it? That in some way, these heroes of faith don't have their story completed until the end of all things comes, until what they waited on, Jesus coming, we're waiting on again, aren't we? We're waiting on Jesus to come a second time. And somehow our lives are caught up in finishing the story of these people who lived by faith. Think about that for a moment. The way we live our lives matters. There's a role we all have to play in bringing hope into this world and sharing the good news of the kingdom of God and giving out gift cards in hopes that they might be used. I don't have these verses up on the screen, but I want to continue in chapter 12 just briefly. Listen to what it says. This is right after that. You've heard these verses before. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I have to imagine these witnesses are the ones in Hebrews 11, right, that are waiting on us to complete the story. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Some of you just barely got here this morning. Maybe you are growing weary yourself in some way. Maybe it's the waiting that's been so difficult. Maybe some of you have lost heart. Maybe faith is a word you wouldn't describe yourself with today. Hebrews 12 is an incredible passage, just with 11. And they didn't receive, we've received, we're continuing the story. And guess what? You're not alone as you run this race. Because Jesus is there. Fix your eyes on him. But not only that, there's this great cloud of witnesses. 
from Moses to Abel to Joseph to Isaac, that are, it's as if it's in this stadium and the finish line is ahead and, and you're running your race and they're cheering you on because without you finishing your story, their story's not complete. There's something about that that gives me great hope. That God's still at work in this world. That yes, we may be waiting, but others are waiting on us. That we play a role in the story and the role we play matters. Last night we finished our, our service. It was a great night with, with a candle lighting. We're not going to do that since we've got the natural light coming in here, but Christmas is here. But it was a symbol of sorts because in some ways 2016 has been a, a dark year. It's been a year of racial tension. It's been a year of police shootings. It's been a, it's been a year of of wars and rumors of wars and refugees. It's been a year of political turmoil. It's been a year of division in so many ways. Some of us are very ready for us to turn the calendar on 2017, aren't we? And I wanted us to remind ourselves as we lit these lights last night that not every age had light as such an easy thing to turn on, right? We flip a switch or put a flashlight on and light appears, but Not every age was that way. At some point in the past, when it was nighttime, it was nighttime. You went to bed because that was the rhythm of the day and the rhythm of our lives. But as we lit these candles and as the light spread out, it was a reminder of what Jesus had said to us. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Matthew 5 as we we close this morning. Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus speaks it. There's another place where Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And that's great for Jesus to be that light, but I want to tell you, Jesus says more than that in the Sermon on the Mount. He, he doesn't end by saying that the light is only him. He says, he says, you are the light of the world. And as we enter into this new year, as we consider our place in the race that we run, as we, as we wait, many of us on good things and some of us on very hard things, I want to remind us of our role as the people of God. It's not the darkness that lights up the world. No, it's the light. And we're intended, church, to be the light of this world. This is what Jesus says. This is Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. These are the words of Jesus, words that I think are needed in this new year, words that you need to hear as the people of God in your calling today. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, we live in an amazing time. And it's not just the gifts that we'll receive today that are the amazing things. The amazing thing is we've been born after the birth of Jesus. We've been born in A.D. years, right? In the year of our Lord, 2016, we live. We know the story. We know how it turns out. We know that Jesus died, but he was raised from the tomb, that he was born into this world. So many didn't know that. So many were born before that, just waiting in faith. But we have received this light, and that light burns within us for those who are followers of his. Let us let our light shine in this new year. Amen? I hope that you enter into 2017 with hope. 
a hope for what God can do, not for what our politics can do for us, not for what our businesses can somehow muster, not for the hope is here, the local church, isn't it? It's the kingdom of God being lived out in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. It's not us alone. It's God at work in us. So I want to close today, and we'll have one more song in just a moment to close our time, but I want us to not forget the gift that we've been given. The first sermon in the series was titled, Don't Waste the Waiting. God does things in waiting, and that's important, but this morning's message is titled, Don't Waste the Gift. Don't let that gift card go unused this year. Don't let the gifts that God has given you go unused this year. Employ them for the sake of the kingdom. Light that candle and be the light of the world. Amen? Let's pray as we close our time in the message this morning. Father, I thank you for this story about the birth of Jesus. I thank you that that you didn't come in the ways we expected. Because those ways have been tried and they never seem to bring, bring the peace that we hope they will. God, for the conventional ways that we try to bring your kingdom, we, we give up on those again this year. We ask for your unconventional ways to be our ways. The ways of the kingdom where the first shall be last and where we love our enemies in ways that don't make any sense to those around us. But it is your way. It is your kingdom. God, we pray for this new year ahead. That there would be peace among the nations. Pray there'd be peace in our cities. There'd be reconciliation that we don't currently see. That our families would be united in ways we haven't. God, maybe even today there'd be opportunities to, to seek forgiveness around our tables. God, I pray for those this season that are, have an empty chair that wasn't there last year in this season. Those that have lost spouses, children, parents, loved ones. God, would you surround them with your people and your peace and with your comfort? May stories be told today that remember their lives And may we remember, God, this great cloud of witnesses is not just filled with Moses and Noah and Rahab. It's filled with those who've gone before us that have passed on this faith. So, God, we run this race. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, we continue our journey. And we ask that you would fill us with your light. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.